0: As we approach Easter, I'm going to begin a series this morning on the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. You've probably heard sermons on that. You've heard them from me in the days past. But it's important as we approach Easter that we are reminded of who he is and what he came for and what he's done for us and to walk through these seven sayings as they portray the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They give evidence of his suffering. They give a testimony of his love. They give a testimony of the reason he came. And they help us to understand the totalitarianism of the gospel for all who will enter heaven must come through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will ever be in heaven that does not come through faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We need to understand that. We need to understand that when it comes to North American missions. We need to understand that when it comes to world missions that only those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been introduced to him through the testimony of a believer, only those will enter into heaven and spend an eternity with God. What an awesome privilege and an awesome responsibility we have as believers to share the message with those that we work with, that we go to school with, the message that we should share with those who we play sports with, those that we live around. But most importantly, I would say, would be to our own loved ones, to our family, that we share the truth of the gospel, that they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is absolutely paramount. It is absolutely necessary that we share the truth of the gospel so others may come into the fold of the family of God and be gloriously saved. I'm reading today the first saying of Jesus on the cross, which is found in Luke 23, and I'll be reading from verses 33 and 34. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The more, this morning, we see Jesus condemned to die. We see Jesus and are reminded of the awesome, awful night that he has endured before this morning, of the awful time that he spent in being accused of blasphemy, in being accused of saying that he was a son of God and ridiculed about that and the place not filled with believers but those that would persecute him and even ultimately him to death and demand that Pilate put him to death on the cross he had been bruised and battered he had been whipped with a lot of cat's tail it is called a cat's tail of nine lashes he had been paraded around blindfolded his beard had been plucked from his face he had been struck on his back as I said with the whip and he was pla- placed in his hand was a stick, if you would, that represented a scepter. And they paraded him around and led him as he was blindfolded and said, look at the king of the Jews, and poked fun at him and slandered him and ultimately placed the beam of the cross upon his shoulders and led him with the blood streaming from his brow, his flesh, and having been beaten on his back and having been Led through all of this that night before that morning he is led via Dolorosa out of the gate of the city of Jerusalem up Calvary's Mountain called the place of the skull or Golgotha and there they placed him on the cross nailed him to the cross and put hung him there to die they did not know for their sins they did not understand that he was perishing for their forgiveness They did not give one thought that he was dying for the sins of the whole world. Those that had lived in the past, those who were alive that day, and all who would be living in the future. He died on the cross for the sins of the human race, all of mankind, and he took that upon himself. But in the middle of all of this, all of the ridicule, all of the suffering, being stripped shamedly and nailed to the cross, there he hangs on Calvary. And today we come to Calvary afresh, as we will over the next six Sundays. We come to Calvary afresh where the Lamb of God was slain the Lamb that was sent from heaven to die on the cross for our sins, and there he is hanging on the cross. We see the awful depths of human sin and the tremendous heights of God's eternal love all in one form, in one person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, where everyone must come if they are to be saved where everyone must trust if they're to have everlasting life, where everyone must believe in order to live in heaven. All of our hope is hinged on this day, on this sacrifice, on this suffering, and the price that he paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Today we examine that first statement that he made And I think I mentioned earlier, he made seven different statements from the cross. And we're going to look at the first one today. We'll do the next five, four together. And then, of course, the last two we'll cover on that last Sunday morning before Easter. Today, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died just like he lived Jesus died just like he came into Bethlehem innocently pure holy sinless undefiled and he died just like he lived his life in fellowship with the Father every moment of his life on this earth in fellowship with the Father except later on the cross that we'll discover when the father turns his back on the son. But today, we talk about him praying to the father. He lived a life of prayer. We find him always turning to the father. Father, do this. Father, do this. that I may be glorified Do this. He was always in communion with the Father. Matter of fact, he was so close in his relationship with the Father, as you've heard from this pulpit many times past, he said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. When you've heard me, you've heard the Father. Every word he spoke was a word from the heart and the mind of the Father. Everything you saw in his life of love and purity and holiness and caring for folks, he exemplified the person of the Godhead, the the love of the Father, the desire of the Father for folks to know him and to walk with him. He died just like he lived, silent before men, but not silent before the Father, Never complain, never lashed out, but he was always in communion with the Father. He began his, father, his, his prayer with Father. He speaks of the relationship that he talked about all through his ministry. He speaks of that and reminds there would be ones that were standing near the cross that knew him would be reminded that he said those things to them. When I speak, you hear the Father speak. When I act, you see the Father acting. The Father and I are inseparably one. And there on the cross, having, having been through what he has endured the night before, and those soldiers having seen this and, and saw him not and heard him not utter, utter one word of complaint, not one time did he lash out against them, but submissive to the death on the cross. And there before them, he says, to the Father, forgive them. It was not a cry of desperation, but one of trust and one of confidence in the Father's ability to forgive. I want you to think about that. Even on the cross, he understood that the only one who can forgive sin Is the father the only one that could cleanse anyone and give them everlasting life and a relationship and a home in heaven was the father so he calls on the father forgive them the relationship is perfect in his life and the relationship is perfect in his suffering and sacrifice addresses the father Because the Father alone, as I said, has the power to forgive. You see, only the one who has been offended can forgive. And it is the Father, it is God who is offended by our sinfulness. It is God who is offended by our disobedience. It is the Father who is offended by sin, and He alone has the power forgive he did not ask for himself he asked for others forgive them isn't it interesting that the one that prayed for forgiveness for his persecutors and those who have crucified him is one who never needed forgiveness of anything he never committed any wrong He never spoke any evil he never thought anything ugly he never did anything that was out of the perfect will of the father and he was perfect in all things and the cry for forgiveness did not have to be done for his own self It was not a cry that he had made some mistake or maybe he had tripped, maybe he had done something accidentally or without thinking. No, he was pure and holy as the Lamb of God, but his cry for forgiveness is on behalf of those who have persecuted him and now crucified him. What he did on earth today, he does in heaven. Makes intercession. For us he asked for their forgiveness that's a big word we use it rather loosely uh, forgive me pardon me we use to say that sometimes but we, we talk about forgiveness like it's no big deal but if you understand forgiveness according to the scripture of what forgiveness is it is a huge deal it is a huge deal for you to forgive anybody Of anything it is a huge deal for us to be forgiven by anyone for anything for you see forgiveness doesn't say I excuse you the thought forgiveness is supposed to mean that we have we do not hold it against you ever again I cannot take the punishment for it away from you but I can say I forgive you and that I will never bring it to your charge again Never will I hold it against you again. Never will I repeat what's been done by you again. I forgive you. He asks for forgiveness. You know, in our prayers, we have the the privilege, and many times we use it to ask for help, healing, for money, for friends or answers to the, questions that we're dealing with in our life, but to no avail if the barrier of sin is between you and God. You see, in order to have God hear your prayer, in order to have God to act on your part and on my part, we have to come before him forgiven, cleansed of every sin, that we're to pray and ask him to wash away our mistakes, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from them. And then we have the privilege to ask of him the things we are in need of. You see, the forgiveness that God gives is a forgiveness that releases us from the penalty of sin no longer guilty a restoration of fellowship with the holy god man has broken that fellowship that god created man to enjoy and sin breaks that fellowship we don't understand that kind of forgiveness a man had viciously attacked a teenage girl At the conclusion of his trial, the young lady asked for permission of the judge that she could say something to the attacker. The judge thought for a minute. He didn't have a clue of what she was going to say, but he figured after all she had been through, she ought to have that privilege. He says, yes, dear, you can say what you want to say. She stood up in the courtroom, and she looked at her assailant, and she said, For all that you did to me, and for all the pain and suffering and hardship I've endured, for all of the pain that I'm reminded of day in and day out, I forgive you. I forgive you, you're forgiven. But the girl then said, but it's not mine to dismiss your punishment. I forgive you, but I can't take away your sentence. I'll pray for you. But you see, when Jesus offers forgiveness he takes away the punishment he takes away the sentence he takes away the guilt I've quoted this song many times in my ministry that my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more when Jesus forgives, He take away, takes away the punishment. He takes away the sentence. He takes away what you have to pay for the payment for sin is death, It's separated from separation from God. But when you receive the forgiveness in Christ Jesus, he takes away that punishment. You're given life. You're given freedom. You're given heaven. You're given a relationship with the Holy God. Everything that you lost in the fall, everything that we lost in sin is restored through the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ that he paid for our forgiveness. A forgiveness that takes away the requirement, of punishment. Then Jesus said an interesting phrase Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand the depth of their trespasses. He was speaking to everyone present, all who had taken part in this atrocity. He didn't offer a word of complaint, not a word of accusation, not a word of vengeance, just forgive them you see he still says the same thing for us today no word in scripture is a private interpretation no word of the savior upon the cross loses its force or its significance in later years but that we don't know what we are doing not that that's true but that we don't understand the awfulness of what we do. You would see murder as being awful, but it's the very opposite. I'm remind you it's the very opposite of giving life. And when Jesus forgives us of our sins, he gives us everything we lost he restores us as Christians as we confess our sins John says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins but he does better than that listen what he says and cleanse us from all unrighteousness the forgiveness that the Savior spoke of on the cross is a forgiveness that not only takes away the punishment, but he takes away the guilt. We are no longer guilty. We're no longer under the sentence, of course, but we're no longer charged with the sins of commission that we have committed. He forgives us. Today... He's ready to forgive you. He's willing to forgive you who are watching through Facebook. He's willing to give you life. And when he gives you forgiveness, he takes away the the holding anything against you or ever mentioning it again that you have done in your life that is sin. And the things that you do as a Christian, if we confess them, John says, he's faithful. You can count on it. He is just. You can count on him. He will always forgive us and cleanse us of every unrighteous thing. His forgiveness is complete. We say God's will is not best for us when we sin. We say, I don't want to do what God wants me to do when we sin. Oh, we don't turn and look into the face of God and says, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. That's not the way it goes. It's just that we make choices. We, we do things. We say things. We act in ways. We make the choices that are contrary to the perfect, holy will of the Father. And he's always willing to forgive us. And in that forgiveness, he restores us as though we never sinned at all. When we fail to live as the Father would have us to live, it's as though we call God a tyrant, that his way is too hard, it's too difficult, it's too demanding, it's not any fun, it's not what I want to do. His will doesn't bring any happiness to my life. Refusing him to be king and Lord over our lives. We walk in disobedience. The language of sin is simply, no God. No. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. Who knows the awful consequences of sin? There's not a mother or a father who seeks a way of sending their son or their daughter to hell for eternity. No one would do that. Yet a drunk or a drug-crazed parrot does the work of Satan in ruining a child and sending them on a path that is contrary to God's will. Imagine a man building a wall in order to try to keep himself a barrier to keep him out of heaven. You say, that man's a fool. That person's an idiot. That person, he has lost his mind. Dear sinner friend, that fool is you. That fool is you. As long as you reject the forgiveness of the Father that has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ and spoken on your behalf from the cross of Calvary, you reject God's forgiveness. Well, they know not what they do you see Jesus died for forgiveness what he stated on the cross was made possible by what he finished on the cross and he continues to make that statement it rings forth from the scriptures every time You read through the gospel, it rings out that statement. Every time a sinner turns to him in repentance, that statement is fulfilled. Father, forgive them. Forgive her. Forgive him. And he's waiting this morning for someone who's never said, I want the forgiveness of the Father. So one, someone who has never realized that the errors of their life and the attitudes of their mind and heart are leading them in a way contrary to the will of the Father. And yet he stands willing and ready to say, you're forgiven. Just because it's no big matter, sin is a big matter. Sin is so big that Jesus gave up all of his purity and righteousness and holiness and life on the cross. It is such a big matter that the Father allowed his Son to die on the cross for our sins and become our sins, the scripture says. The one who never knew any sin himself became our sins. That we could experience and know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It could be in our lives through him. And he loves you today. He cares. He wants to speak forgiveness in your life. But maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're too busy having a good time. You're too busy making your own plans. You're thinking one day I'll, 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 I'll get right with God. One day, you know, I, God's not going to let me go to hell. Look at me. I'm a good person. The old preacher Vance Havner, y'all have never heard of him. He says, it's not the bad that men do that send them to hell. It's the good that ain't good enough. Because they think they're not bad enough to go to hell. You can know his forgiveness today. You don't have to leave this building without knowing the full pardon forgiveness, healing, cleansing, restoration, promises of God, you can know it this very morning. Would you bow your heads? Say, Pastor, how can I know it? Right now, right now, would you just, would you just shut out everybody else, everything else in the room? If you're touching another person, quit touching them. Would you just shut out everything? Would you just say, God, is it me? I need your forgiveness. I want to know your forgiveness. I want to know life in Jesus. I want to spend an eternity in heaven. That's what I want right now, Father. Would you forgive me? Would you let Jesus come into my life and be my Lord and Savior and give me eternity the promise everlasting life in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you said you would not turn anybody away. Right now, I trust, I believe. Come into my life. Forgive me. Be my Savior. And give me the courage to make a stand that I have prayed to receive you. My Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. With heads still bowed, eyes still closed. God spoke to some God folks in this room this morning. He's speaking to you personally. If you prayed that prayer, just a moment, I'm going to come stand down front. Brother Tommy's going to come and we're going to sing song. It's called an invitational song. You know why? Because we're announcing that it's God's invitation for you to trust in Jesus and come to Him. Would you do that this morning? Just step out in the aisle. Don't worry about what anybody else does, what anybody else says. Just step out on the aisle. Walk down here. I'll take your hand. I'll ask you a couple of questions Did you pray that prayer Did you ask Jesus to come into your life. And if you want me to lead you through the sinner's prayer, I'll do that. Then I'll rejoice with you and pray for you. Lord God, in this invitation, have your perfect way. Lord, I pray that there will not be one individual in this building who will leave here without having satisfied your requirement of turning to Jesus for forgiveness. Have your way right now, that Satan can score no victories in this place, but the Holy Spirit of God may have full, complete control. In Jesus' name.